0: Well, good morning to you all, good morning. and I'm sorry, I see the offering isn't quite done, and so uh, I, I was told by a few people it's just kind of weird to engage with you while the offering's happening, and uh, our announcements were way too long. I could do some dancing maybe or something, no, that wouldn't work. <laughs> you guys would leave the church then. I uh, I can just tell you a quick story. I... I uh, Got a dash cam for Christmas, and uh, my wife bought it for me. And the first one didn't work right, so I'd send it back and get a different one. And uh, you might be going, "Why does a pastor want a dash cam?" And I actually did not get it for uh, proving that I was right. <laughs> that's not why. You know, if somebody hits me, I got to prove that I'm right. That's not why I got it. It wasn't a lack of trust, although I'm sure that's in my uh, mind a little bit. But the dash cam I have actually has some warnings in it. Uh, I had shared last week I got two photo radar tickets just a week before Christmas. It was the best Christmas present I got. And uh, uh, and honestly, it frustrates me because I try not to ever speed. But apparently I do. And so I need reminders. Why? Because. Like everybody, my flesh takes hold, my testosterone races up, and I wanna be the first person. It's especially at a spot where our highways turn to one lane, and I wanna make sure I'm past all those slow people. And they put a camera right there, right where my testosterone takes in. And so my, my uh, dash cam reminds me, there's a photo radar here. You're going too fast. And it's a wonderful little dash cam that does that. I tell you that story because I am convinced, Romans 12 says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And a lot of us have the, we're in the world all the time. We're watching the TV. We're talking to people in coffee break. We're in the lineup in the stores and people are giving us their insight and advice. Now we're on Facebook. Isn't it full of good sage advice? I just responded to somebody on a a little bit of a a comment they put me in and I told them this morning, uh, if I happen to delete my name out of there, my comment, I'm sorry. And they said, oh, no, I get it. I get it perfectly. Uh, And I just get worried that it's going to turn into this kind of nasty kind of trolling thing that happens. Uh, But friends, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to have reminders. We need to be shown who we are in Christ. We need to understand how do we operate and walk so that God's blessing is flowing in us. And last Sunday we talked about the blessed life and the series I'm going through is by Pastor Robert Morris and it's called The Blessed Life. I encourage you to watch the whole thing. I'm only doing three of the messages. But we need to understand how to be in the blessed life. And there's a lot of us that are, uh, as we looked at the scriptures last week, we saw how as you measure to other people, as you sow, that's what you're gonna get back. And like it or not, that is a spiritual principle that God has woven into the fabric of the creation he's made. What you sow is what you reap. You sow generosity, you reap, you sow judgment, you reap. You sow selfishness, you reap. And so we need to go to the scriptures to understand how to acquire, how to receive, how to be who we are in Christ so that we get his blessing. Whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not, the book of Corinthians in the Bible says, when we get to heaven, some of you by the skin of your teeth, some of us by the skin of our teeth, you're going to be there. But the scriptures say that as we live here on earth, As we live who we are in Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, so is it really us? But yes, we make an intellectual choice. As we live, we will be rewarded. Some of us in heaven are going to look awfully naked because we've been living like the world. We are conforming to the patterns of this world instead of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we're going to have tons of Scripture And if a person were just to write them down and go home and read them afterwards because it is going to overwhelm our senses and our intellect and our mind. And especially it's gonna dig at and poke at and tear at some of the ideas and thoughts that we've built up against a good knowledge of you. So God, Holy Spirit, Come and give us understanding, give us clarity, give us power, and help us, God, to understand who we are to be in Christ. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So a little caveat before I start. So this sermon today straight up is talking about tithing. Tithing is a Hebrew word that literally means a tenth. And you may go away because you don't like what I have to say. And I want to give you permission to disagree with me. And you're gonna think and feel like, and I'm sorry, but it's definitely gonna come across that way, that I am angry and I am trying to offend you, but I assure you I am not. My goal is the same as our elders' board's goal, We, uh, one of the elders watched uh, these series of videos. He showed me one and said, hey, do you think we could look at this as elders? The elders looked at the message that I'm preaching today and they were concerned. Now, the concern wasn't that we need more money in the church. In fact, right now, the church is doing better financially than I've seen it do in my 10 years here. So this isn't about the church's money. The concern of the elders after watching this series was there's a lot of people in our churches that are robbing God and holding back his opportunity to bless you. You're robbing God and you're holding back his opportunity to bless you. So with all of that said, let's get started. Here we go. Are you ready? If you want to run for the doors, here's your chance. When you, were, when you were in school, did you ever have this happen to you? You show up at your class, you sit in your seat, and the teacher says, are you ready? And you sit there and go, ready for what? And she goes, I'm going to hand out some papers now, but you have to keep them upside down until I give you the say. Then you turn them over and you answer the questions. In other words, you're saying to yourself, there's a test what test i didn't know there was going to be a test this morning well i want to say to you from the scriptures there is a test in the bible and we get to experience that test every time something happens how many of you get paid once a month Oh, only a few. First service, it was a bunch of them. They're the early birds. They tend to get paid once a month, apparently. How many get paid twice a month? How many get paid once a week? How many don't get paid at all? <laughs> you don't get. Hey, you're welcome to leave. You don't need to hear the sermon. <laughs> and in fact, we'll talk to you later, and we'll see if we can help you out a little bit. Today's message is titled, What Test? What Test? What Test? The test that we're going to be looking at today is whom are you going to thank for your blessing, for your income, for what God has given you? This test is taken with the first 10% of our income as we go to the scriptures and look at that. It is a tithe. And I ask you again, who are you going to thank? Who are you going to worship? Honestly, some people thank Visa first. As soon as you get your paycheck, you thank Visa. Or you go to Walmart or Amazon now, and you thank Amazon. The problem with those institutions is they don't have the ability to bless you like God does. Turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter three. If you've been in the church a long time, you knew I was gonna go there. Malachi chapter three. And I can tell some of you are probably already saying, oh, here we go, we're gonna see some Old Testament law that this pastor is gonna apply to us that are in the land of grace in the New Testament, and the law doesn't apply to me, and how dare you? We're gonna go there, just be patient. But we need a bit of a foundation and a history to the New Testament. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. Don't forget those words. Hold on to those words. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. In other words, he's saying... Aren't you fortunate that I'm the God that's always been the same, and I'm holding back my wrath. You deserve death, but I'm being nice. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees. Some translations use the word, you turn away from my ordinances. And that's actually a good translation of the Hebrew word. Ordinances has a sense of, you turn away from my ordinances ordinary behaviors you turn away from my standard principles my my ways that you should operate and the text goes on and you have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty who's saying this was it Malachi is it Pastor Anthony Says the Lord Almighty, but you ask, typical of us all, how are we to return? Verse eight, listen to this, will a mere mortal rob God? Remember last week, it isn't that God needs your money or your uh, volunteering to prop up his kingdom. He doesn't need you, he's self-sufficient. The text goes on to say, yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? Here it comes, in tithes and offerings. Understand the DNA about this God who does not change. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, lived 33 years, gave up absolutely everything, money, fame, fortune, the whole bit, and died on a cross for you so that you could be what? Forgiven so that you could be what? Reconciled with God. How are we robbing you in tithing offerings? Listen to verse nine. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the church, that there may be food in my house, the church. Test me, in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And then he describes how he'll do this I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And just to be fair, reading back in the book of Genesis, there was a curse that was brought on the land because of sin, there was consequences brought on the land because of sin and it was your crops being devoured. And he says, I'm gonna prevent this, and I'm gonna prevent the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty, who never changes. Then all the nations will call you blessed. From yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Little sidebar, I love history. Do a little look. Think about the wealthiest nations in the world the wealthiest nations in the world, and then ask me, as a rule, what is something that started in the nation before they got wealthy? Well, I'll give you the answer Christianity. Every nation that has bent their knee to God and received Jesus has blessed, has been blessed. We need to understand that tithing is an ordinary principle. It's a practice that is woven into the fabric of sight. You go, well, it's in the law. Well, it is, but it predates the law. It is a principle of generosity, a principle of saying to God who's created us, with our first fruits, we love you, God. If you were to look at Galatians in the New Testament, chapter six, you would see the principle of sowing and reaping. Look at the context By the way, it's paying pastors as part of the context. And he says, what you sow, you will reap. Many who don't feel they should tie say that the cross did away with all the curses. Jesus' death on the cross, it did deal with the curse of death, and it did deal with the estrangement from God in regards to our salvation. But if you're saying that Jesus' death means you can do whatever you want now, let me just say it straight up, that's crazy. If we steal, friends, there are consequences. Even if we were in a society with no police, you steal, pretty soon you're going to have nobody that wants to hang around you, nobody that's going to trust you. You steal, and you're not going to be... There's consequences that happen. I would argue that there are spiritual underlying consequences in the world for our sin. Yet many of us will say it's okay to steal from God because we're under grace. You say God owns everything. Yes, but he has taught us stewardship, hasn't he? He has set apart, he has asked us that 10% of what we receive is for him. It's in honor of him and his house. And he says he will pour out such a blessing you won't know how to contain it. The number one reason I hear why people don't tithe is because it's an Old Testament thing. Honestly, I've kind of wondered in Malachi chapter 3, if you have looked in your Bible, it's only, what, 15, 30 verses from Matthew, the New Testament. I've always thought, why couldn't have God just shifted it just a little bit over? Then nobody could argue this. But like the original speaker I got this message from, he goes, I think I know why God left it in Malachi. It's because this is a test. This is a test of your heart. Even when people argue about tithing, I wonder, what's the spirit behind the argument? Because I was there once. Jesus gave his one and only son. I mean, the Heavenly Father gave his one and only son. And we argue over 10%. It's a test of our hearts. I had somebody come to me after the first service, and in my prayer I alluded to it. Uh, What the book of Malachi, in essence, is saying... What it's in essence saying, you are robbing God of a chance to bless you when you don't tithe. Now, here's a good reason why God chose 10%. It's pretty straight up, I think, logical. He chose 10% because it's fair to everybody. I remember in my first church, I preached on tithing, and a person came to me afterwards and said, do you know how much 10% of my income is? And I go, actually, I do. And they go, well, how do you know my income? And I said, I don't know your income. I just know it's 10%. They go, wow, do you know how much that is? I said, it doesn't matter. You get 90% to live on. And if your 10% is that big, that you're that concerned about it, wow, the 90%, can you imagine how I could live on that? And they kind of huffed and walked away from me. I've become a little more careful as an older pastor. (laughs) Not always. Another reason why he chose 10%, I'm convinced, is because when you see the number 10 in the Bible, it's associated with all sorts of good and wonderful things. So let me ask you some questions. This is interactive time. How many plagues were in Egypt? Okay. How many commandments are there? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Oh, you guys are getting the pattern. You didn't know the answer to that. (laughs) How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten times. That's the correct answer. Don't be afraid. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten days. He fasted. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? Ten. How many disciples were there? Oh, you got me. <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. Point number one of my message today is tithing is a test. Yet, if you read the passage, it's a two-way test. It's the only place in the Bible that i found where God says you can test him. The word in the Hebrew for testing In Malachi, literally is a word that's often used with testing whether gold is pure or silver is pure. And God is saying, you can test me. Just try it out. So God is testing us, and he wants you to test him and see if he's pure. He wants to see, he wants us to see. If 90% will go further with God's blessing, then 100% would go without his blessing. A lot of people say to me, I can't afford to tithe. And if you understand what Malachi's saying, you need to start tithing, then the blessings come. You need to start tithing. And a lot of people that tell me, I am so blessed. These are people, that they'll say to you, I'll say, "When? why are you so blessed? Well, man, I started tithing years ago. Oh, it doesn't mean transmissions don't go or engines don't go in cars. I talked to somebody recently who I know are awesome giving family. They had car trouble. And I was consoling, saying, I'm so sorry because I know they're good tithers and I'm sitting there going, oh man, I'm just about to preach on blessing. Almost as if the person knew what I was thinking, said to me, but we're so blessed and we can afford to pay for it. You see, we get our heads all around. Well, my transmission went, well, yeah, but can you afford to pay for it? He wants you to see if 90% will go further with God's blessing, then 100% will go without his blessing. And again, let's remember that to not do this ordinary exercise allows a curse to come into our lives. In other words, we are holding back God's ability to bless you. Again, some say tithing was under the law. I will show you how tithing predates the law, was under the law, and after the law in the New Testament. These are principles. A lot of people don't understand quite fully that the laws of the Old Testament, there was kind of three categories. There were religious laws. There was dietary laws, and they had to do with purity and religion. Uh, There were like, how do you address laws? How do you behave with each other? And then there was another form or category of law in the Old Testament, and we call them moral laws. That would be the Ten Commandments would be part of them. And again, I'll ask you, are the moral laws still applicable? And I will ask you even further, this law of ordinary behavior, is it still applicable? Don't misunderstand me. Before Jesus, we did the law to somehow gain salvation, whether it was tithing or otherwise. After Jesus, we now see the moral law in the Old Testament as a description for who God is making us become. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's stuff. Thou shalt not, on and on it goes. The, to live the moral law is to be who we are in Christ. Almost all of the moral laws, not all of them though, were repeated in the New Testament. And I would argue that this ordinary behavior law, and it predates the law, is part of the sowing and reaping. So who's God? Let's see, who can I pick on that's close? Do you have a wallet on you? Come here. Let me see your wallet for a sec. He didn't know I was going to pick on him, so. very empty. very empty. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Oh, such a nice guy, so trusting, eh? Do you think he'll get it back? <laughs> he, he said it was empty, maybe I should check it out. It, no, seriously, if I kept his wallet, uh, hey, I'm under grace now, right? I'm under grace. I can do whatever I want. I can steal his wallet put it in my pocket. Is that crazy? Well, I would argue that to not tithe is crazy. Here you go, thanks a lot. I'll throw it and it'll, all the credit cards will fall out. Oh, he's good. So, number one point, tithing is a test. Point number two in my sermon this morning is tithing is biblical, friends. You need to know it's biblical. Non tithers, just saying, and by the way, I don't know who you are, I don't get access to that. There's only two people in our church that see anything of the money, and it's our bookkeeper and our treasurer. And they don't necessarily, I I even asked the treasurer this week, I said, hey, do you know who ties or not? She goes, no, actually, I don't pay attention to that. And my treasurer, Dell, he goes, yes, unfortunately, I do see it. And he said, I'm so worried for some of those people that don't give to the church. They're robbing God of his opportunity to bless them. They're robbing God of his opportunity to bless them. So if you're a non-tither, it's not that you're evil. We all have our stuff that we work with, right? Most non-Tithers have their arguments. They don't believe it's in the Bible or don't think it matters. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, and we're going to walk through. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, this predates the law by 500 years. Just saying. Verse 18 says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem meaning peace, interesting, Brought out bread and wine. Is this a pre-thing? If you, We're going to go to Hebrews in a moment. We're going to see that this could have been Jesus pre-incarnate. If it wasn't Jesus, it was somebody that was kind of a type of Jesus. So he brings out the bread and wine. Could this be communion possibly? He was priest of God the Most High. And he blessed Abraham saying, listen to this. Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. And listen to Abraham's response. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. We have no clue who Melchizedek is. Any theologian claims that they know for sure, we don't know for sure. Other than some writings in Hebrews. Hebrews that talks about that uh, he had no family, he had no beginning and no end. I mean, it sure sounds like Jesus to me. And this was 500 years before the Lar. The Galatians book, the book of Galatians in the New Testament says that Abraham, this guy, in the, the human in this characterised in the story, he's our spiritual father. The spiritual father of the Jews and the Christians gave a 10% tithe to who we think maybe was Jesus. Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews says that. Also remember, friends, that this ordinary behavior was 500 years before the law. This is a principle or a common practice that is woven into the fabric of society. Genesis 28, 22. Take your hands there on your devices or your Bible. Genesis 28, says, And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. Now understand, the church today is not this building. It's all of you people. It's no longer a place. uh, God doesn't dwell in a building anymore. He dwells in his people. But in the same way, it does transpose to us. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This passage is about 400 years before the law. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. Do you got that? God created everything. Everything you have is God's. It is holy or set apart to the Lord. Deuteronomy two. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, in other words, looking at today, everything that you have, everything that you do, most of you have moved to Grand Prairie. So listen carefully. Take some of the first fruits, and that's another whole sermon in and of itself, how you should start with God when you get paid, There's a heart thing that goes on. It's not visa you pay. It's not the debts that you pay. You go to God first. Take some of the first fruits that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. And listen to this. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Is this place here a place where God is chosen as a dwelling for his name? Some of you might go, I'm not too sure after hearing this sermon. (laughs) This is where you bring your tithe. It's a place God connects you to for a place to worship him. A little side note on this whole topic. A Pentecostal pastor friend of mine years ago told me that sometimes when people thinking that this is a place that God's telling you to bring your tithe... They, come, they go to Safeway, pick up groceries, and then they go to Superstore and pay the money. And I will ask you again, is that kind of crazy? Well, Superstore would like that. Safeway, not so much. But looking at the scriptures, bring your whole hot tithe into the storehouse, I would argue that our tithe should come to the local church. Deuteronomy 26, 13, let's go there. This is a, a really good story. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, that would be today's pastor, the foreigner, we as a church have helped immigrants coming in and new Canadians, the fatherless and the widow, we have our faith and deed ministry where we help that all out, according to all you commanded. Listen to this author, to this person. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning. In other words, even in the depths of his despair, he kept up. His ordinary behavior, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. In other words, he didn't use that 10% that was supposed to be to God. It was supposed to be set aside. It was holy for God's work and for his use in his temple, or in today's modern thing, the church where all of you gather who are the presence of God. And I haven't used it on my selfishness, on my greed, on my sorrow. Verse 14, I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down, now listen to this. This is what you can ask after you've done that. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel, and the land you have given us, the land you have given us, as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. Let me ask you a question. We're in the Old Testament now. But let me ask you a question. If Jesus were to ask you to give 10%, would you? The sad thing is some of us had to think about that. Some of us had to think about that. So here it comes. Turn to Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Some of you are going to be a little surprised and a little shocked. And to borrow a veggie Tale statement, slightly embarrassed. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers. If you have one of those Bibles with red letters, it's in red letters. It's Jesus talking. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. Now listen to this. These are the religious people he's talking to. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. They actually went over the top with the tithing. They were so legalistic. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, And faithfulness. We love a sermon on that, right? Let's not get legalistic. Let's be into justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But listen to what Jesus says. You should have practiced the latter. The ordinary principles. Without neglecting the former. Oh, I can hear the comments. Oh, but this is before the cross. So you're going to disregard everything Jesus said before the cross. Of course not. Jesus is our Melchizedek. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. We're going to see it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. The priests who collect tithes are men who die. I'm glad to say that the guys, the ushers that took the tie, they're still alive, last I checked. They haven't died yet. But the truth is, you know, you bring the tithe then you pay me. One day I'm going to die. In fact, I almost died this summer in a motorbike crash. Motorbike crash, there's a new kind of vehicle. The priests who collect the tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. Melchizedek, whether it's Jesus or a type of Jesus, in other words, men may take the offering, but when you give to the Lord Jesus or Melchizedek, he receives it. You're giving Jesus your first fruits when you come to the church. And give your giving to Jesus. Jesus who died on the cross for you. So I would argue that tithing is biblical. But we're not done. I have one final point. Tithing is a blessing, tithing is a blessing. Second Chronicles chapter 31, we come across a really interesting story of Hezekiah the prophet. Now Hezekiah on his own is just reading the Bible Israel is in a horrible recession and Hezekiah is reading and he comes under this huge conviction that they have been robbing God, they've been stealing from him, and they need to change their course of action. 2 Chronicles 31 verse 4. So Hezekiah, he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests, and the Levites so that they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Thank you for paying my salary. I spent a lot of time devoting myself to studying the scriptures. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits, and listen to this list, of their grain, their new wine, their olive oil, their honey, and all the fields they produce. They brought a great amount A tithe of everything. Maybe there's spices, I don't know. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe, they even went beyond this, of their herds, their flocks, and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them, and I love the words, they piled them in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished it in the seventh month. They had four months of harvest. That's what was going on. So when Hezekiah, after four months, shows up, so that when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. But now Hezekiah gets this thought in his head, and you can read it in the words. He's sitting there going, ooh, I hope they haven't starved to death. Like, look at the heaps. Like, did they overdo it? Like, it's 10%. What's go- Listen to what the text says. Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, answered. Listen to the answer. Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. They were living on 90% better than the 100%. Because the Lord has blessed his people. And this great amount is left over. So we're supposed to bring food into the storehouse, into the church. We're not a temple anymore, we're not under the temple model, we're under grace. But this principle of common life, of bringing the first fruits in to bless the Lord, and today I would call that spiritual food more than the food, because we get paid in, I was gonna say Bitcoin, but we don't get paid in Bitcoin. Some of you might, I don't know, you're doing something illegal maybe. I'm going down the wrong trail, I gotta get out of that. (laughs) Let me ask you a question, do you enjoy the food in God's church? Did you enjoy the worship? Aren't you glad the heat's on? I've heard stories of the olden churches where the pastor had to show up at 6 a.m. Light the fire, praise God, that doesn't happen anymore. Everything's automated here. I don't have to come at 6 a.m. and light the fire. But aren't you glad? Aren't you praising him? Do you enjoy the staff and all the ministries here? Let me ask you a question. Would any of you go to a restaurant and eat a meal and leave without paying for it? This is the part where I say this is going to get a little personal for some. I want to tell you, some Christians come every week and they leave without doing anything or helping at all. They come and eat a meal. They get nice and full and they never help out. As I said last week, I'm not preaching because we're having a shortfall in the church. We're doing fine. I'm doing this because, and the elders have asked me to, because this will change your life. It will help your family, your marriage, and your children and your grandchildren. There's two responses I often get in regards to tithing. The first one that I've shared is, we are so blessed, and I'll say, when? Oh, when I started tithing. And the other response is, I can't afford to tithe. And as I've already said, well, you're not gonna get the blessing until you start the tithing. Test me and see, says the Lord. See if he's pure. I remember years ago, I was in Bible college and I justified. I don't need to tithe because I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to become a minister for the Lord. I'm going to be one of those guys. I'm going to preach the word. So surely I don't have to tithe. You know what the Lord said to me when I started talking to Him about that in my devotions? He goes, Do you trust me? Do you think I'm real? Do you want a blessing? Would you like to wait till you're in ministry before you get any blessings, or would you like them now? So I started tithing when I had nothing. And weirdly enough, yeah, were, I remember one time we, we had no food. And uh, I, I remember I, I couldn't even eat breakfast. I went to some class, I came home, and in the mail, my wife had this Aunt Winifred in Ontario. For some other weird reason, she sent us a check of $100. Now, the woman was like 100 years old at that time. And she sent us $100. I was so excited. I danced. I couldn't even afford to put the gas in the car. So we had a grocery store close by. I went to the grocery store with the baby carriage. I bought as many groceries as I could for $100. And we had a feast. God takes care of you. So I want to choose three men for the final part of my sermon here. Who wants to volunteer? I'll tell you that one of you are going to end up being looking really bad. So just warning. And it depends what order you stand in. So you want to come. I can tell. Wes, do you want to come up to you? Oh, please stand in the right spot, Wes, so I can really give you a heart. So come stand up here, right up in the front here. I need one more volunteer, guy or girl, doesn't matter. Oh, I could even have it in Spanish if I like, by the looks of it. <laughs> and uh, low German, too, so we can really get going here. Okay, you're standing. Just stand, whatever, look towards me now. You don't have to even look at the people. So I, I asked you guys up here because I'm going to be going away for a few months. I'm not actually, it's just part of the story. I'm going to be going away for a few months, and I don't know how long I'll be away, but uh, I'm going to give each of you $10,000 a month. Yeah, Wes, how did I know? <laughs> Usually Mennonites, they're good at giving, not good at receiving. You should have went, yes. That's okay. So I'm going to give you 10000 a month, but there's one thing I want you to do for me. Uh, my wife, Carolyn, she's going to be home alone, and... Uh, I need you to give her thousand dollars a month out of the ten thousand. You can keep the ninety, in other words, the nine thousand. But just give my wife a thousand. So that, that worked for you guys. Okay, sounds good. So to carry the story along, I'm three months in. I'm phoning my wife every day. But about three months in, I ask my wife a question, and I say, "So, so, I'm just wondering, how are the guys doing and taking care of you?" And uh, she goes, well, you know, the one guy that speaks Spanish and Mennonite and everything, he's, he's awesome. I mean, and Mennonites are awesome, aren't they? They're so good. She goes, like, at midnight, on the 1st, I get the $1,000. And it's like, boom, it's in my bank account, set up an automatic thing. It's incredible. And I go, oh, that's sweet, thank you. And then I go, so, you know, how about Wes? And she's like, oh, man, Wes, he gives me 2000 a month. And I go, why does he do that? And, she, and she's going, I don't know. But she, he's giving me $2,000 a month. And I'm going, wow, Wes, I love you, man. You're, you, you're caring for my wife. And then I say, well, there's one more guy to go here. And I said, how's that going? And she goes, well, you know, the first month he gave me 600 bucks, And I appreciated it. It really helped. Second month, $400. And I said, well, third month. And she goes, Nothing. So from my point of view, with my wife, I've given these guys a blessing. I've given them some help. How am I gonna feel? Honestly, I'm probably gonna take the money from you and I'm gonna give it to you. Maybe a little bit to you. <laughs> you guys can go sit down, thank you, give me a hand. how would I feel if you don't think this is really the law of how the world works have you read anything in scripture lately about talents Jesus told a illustration a parable about talents now we think that's all about using our gifts that's actually not the con. talents actually is a money it's like dollars talents is dollars. gave to one ten dollars gave to one a hundred dollars Let me ask you, what do you think that story's about? What do you think the story's about? Now, let me ask you another question. What is the church described as in the Bible? It's not a building. It's the bride of Christ. Nobody wants to answer. You're all afraid now. Ooh, he's getting pretty heavy here. The church is the bride of Christ. And Jesus has gone away, and he said, take care of my bride. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you stuff. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you a paycheck. I'm going to make your fridges last long. Like, just just give a 10% to the bride. Honestly, tithing might be more personal to Jesus than what you thought. how they might be more personal to Jesus than what you thought. Jesus has the power to take it from one and give it to the other. Are you hearing it? Let me ask you a question. Why would Jesus be concerned or bless people who are not concerned about his wife? Friends, it's a test of your heart. And it's very important that we pass this test. Don't feel condemned today, maybe convicted. I love what the scripture says. Godly conviction leads to repentance, which leads to life. We all struggle in many ways. We all do. I've got my stuff that I haven't overcome. If this is your struggle, then don't go away condemned, please. Please. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I think people that know the scriptures know I didn't even exhaust this topic in the New Testament. I could have brought up what Paul said to the Corinthians to set aside a certain sum of money for the first day of the week. Now this was an offering to help out the church in Jerusalem that was in a famine. We are such individuals, so we, we really miss the opportunities of the collective church, body of Christ, accomplishing great things because we just want to do everything on our own. We want to be in control. And God, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't stop thinking about it even for a week that the trust that the people have put in the elders in this church is unbelievable. And we don't always do things right, but good. good thing is we're going to be passing away. But Jesus, Melchizedek, you're going to live forever. I don't give to the body of Christ to man, but I give to you, God, as a thank offering. And so many of us, God, we are stopping you. We're robbing you and we're stopping you from blessing us. And there are spiritual principles in this world that we have not even begun to grasp, for we conform so much to the patterns of this world and we hang on. We are really (laughs) pre-Christian in so much of our behavior. And my prayer today, God, as I started out, is that your Holy Spirit would break down those arguments. And that you, God, would speak to each and every one of us about what the topic has been about today. And that we would really, honestly, in faith, test you and see if we can do better, be more blessed on 90% than we are on 100%. And some of us who say, I can't afford to tithe, we're gonna begin and we're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna test God and see. And I know I have eight elders around the elders table. And to a man, they've all told me I have tested and God is pure. And God is faithful. So this is a heavy message, God, so let your Spirit fill us with joy now. Help us to understand that it is not us that are having to fill the law. It's just who we are. We sow righteousness. We sow goodness. And it's all because your Holy Spirit's in us, changing us and transforming us and making us able to do the right thing, but you've never taken our brain away. You still leave the choice to us. And you're so gracious to do that, God. So speak to us. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.